G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Foundations. The official church did repeatedly for centuries, and I might add, even by the time the Protestant Reformation came, both sides of the aisle on this theological debate were committing heinous crimes Mm. under the banner of the cross. Foundations. Understanding the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. With Robbo Robinson and Mandy Warby. We are getting very close to the end of our series on Mashiach, the Jewish Messiah, who is for all people in all the nations of the world. We've looked at so many different aspects of his nature, character, calling, deeds, death and resurrection. But what are we supposed to do now? Is that it? Is that all we have to concern ourselves with? We know he came as Mashiach ben Yosef, a suffering Messiah, paying for our sin. But he's also Mashiach ben David. Where does he fit into things? That's what we're going to explore on this program today. We've spent a lot of time looking at all the different aspects and criteria and the nitty-gritty details of what Mashiach had to fulfill. And we go, well, yeah, he came as Mashiach ben Yosef. He came as a suffering service. He, He met all the criteria. But now we've got this other possible persona or character, Mashiach ben David, that's in Scripture. Therefore, somehow this particular character has got to be fulfilled. Mm. Where does he come in? Well, obviously, the best place to find the answer to that question is in the Word of God. And uh, let's look at a uh, passage. In fact, it's the start of Jesus' earthly ministry. You can find uh, this in Luke chapter 4, verses 16 to 21. It says, Jesus came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. The book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. He opened the book and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. He closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. He began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Do you know, I would love to have been there for that because mm. I can just imagine a whole lot of people sitting there with their bottom jaws sitting <laughs> on the ground. Huh? There would have been a lot of gasps. A lot of gasps, yeah. absolutely. And and after that claim, as you read on in that uh, chapter, they actually were so angry with him at making such an outrageous claim, they tried to then throw him off a cliff. Of course, it wasn't the right time. He simply walked through the crowd. He made his way to Capernaum. And on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, Lake Kinneret, as the locals call it, that was his base of operations. And he began three years of full ministry before, obviously, he ended up in Jerusalem, executed, rose again in the Mm. resurrection, which I've got to say was a really great conversation that we had because it just emphasizes how important the resurrection is. Mm. No resurrection, no faith, no salvation, no nothing. So true. So that was Jesus, Mashiach ben Yosef. Fulfilled just as scripture said. It might be worth pointing out too that the passage that he read, he virtually entered on a comma and when he closed yeah. up the book. And we will explore that in the next couple of episodes as to why he's done that. Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out because 
most people don't realise, because they're only reading the New Covenant, they don't realise that he actually stopped at a crucial point in that Mm. passage. So, yeah, we will get back to that later. Uh, Now, I want to uh, just emphasise, I'm using again the research of Dr. Etan Barr from the Ministry of One for Israel. I know I've said it before, but I would really recommend everybody get to this ministry online, oneforisrael.org. Absolutely fantastic. And it's by Messianic Jews, whose goal and heart is to reach Jews for the cause of the gospel and so that they can know their Messiah. So he's a pretty smart cookie, and what he said in one of these articles is that over the last 2,000 years, this profile has been developed of who Jesus is and what he's like, and I guess we look at him as being loving, merciful, gracious, patient, kind, compassionate, all these things, you know, he's gentle. Um, I guess, you know, we sort of hear that term, you know, gentle Jesus, meek and mild, and that's really the, the picture that has been painted of him. He came to die for us. He chose to be punished for our crimes. That's a Messiah that's easy to love, isn't it? You know, like well, someone is. that uh, lays his life down for us. We want to be aligned with him. Sounds like Mashiach ben Yosef, doesn't mm, it? Exactly. So that's exactly. And what's not to like? What's not appealing about such a Messiah who's just so willing to forgive and, and be gentle all the time? I mean, absolutely. But then there's also been another attitude that's developed over the past couple of thousand years as well. And that's an abhorrence that we have to mixing religion with violence. Or it might actually make more sense if we said that there's a growing abhorrence to using religion as an excuse to commit violence. Okay, now that's something that the official church did repeatedly for centuries. And I might add, even by the time the Protestant Reformation came, both sides of the aisle on this theological debate were committing heinous crimes Mm. under the banner of the cross, which is, to us, it's abhorrent. It's a terrible thing. And can I also say that for most of the world's religions, they're also equally guilty of committing the same crime. Uh, Islam has done it. Buddhism has done it. Hinduism has done it. Uh, Sikhism has done it. They've, they've all done it. Pick a religion, they've all done it. Mm. But our focus is Christianity. And it's also you know, true to say that over more recent centuries, the attitude within Christendom has actually transformed itself to a pretty solid degree that is against violence. We always want to go with, oh, you know, it's better to forgive and turn the other cheek. And that's a nice thought and it's a good thought and I hardly applaud that. But in that scenario, where's the room for Mashiach Ben David? That's right. And I guess that's a bit of a conundrum that develops because with the majority of Bible-believing Christians expecting Messiah, son of Joseph, to return and establish his kingdom on earth, what are they actually preparing for? You know, should they not be preparing for this Messiah, son of David, the warrior king, to be coming back? It's interesting, isn't it? It's like we like the fact that Jesus is gentle and meek and forgiving and loving and turn the other cheek. We have left no room for a warrior Messiah. You've just said it rightly. They're expecting, most Christians are expecting Jesus to come back and be just like he was when he came the first time. So what's the purpose of the suffering Messiah, if we were to just cover that again? Well, really, we have covered it extensively over the last uh, several weeks, and that's really, you know, he came to make atonement for our sin, to pay for the redemption of all those who would believe in him, put their trust and their faith in him. And that's something that we've really been able to establish quite significantly, that uh, the suffering Messiah. So we can put to bed the fact that Messiah, son of Joseph, the suffering servant, has fulfilled all Mm. of Scripture. That's taken care of. 
Okay, so what's the purpose of a warrior king then? What are we supposed to do with that? What do we learn from that? Well, I guess where do we learn from it? We're going to learn from the Bible about this warrior king. And there's a great passage that really describes in quite graphic detail what he looks like. It's Isaiah 63, verses 1 to 4. It says, Who is this who comes from Edom with garments of glowing colors from Bosra? This one who is majestic in his apparel, marching in the greatness of his strength. It's I who speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Why is your apparel red and your garments like the one who treads in the winepress? I've trodden the wine trough alone, and from the peoples there was no man with me. I also trod them in my wrath, and their lifeblood is sprinkled on my garments, and I stained all my raiment. For the day of vengeance was in my heart, and my year of redemption has come. Do you know, that does not sound like a suffering servant to me. No. This is describing in detail the Messiah when he comes back, And he's just said, for the day of vengeance was in my heart and my year of redemption. He has just connected vengeance and redemption together Mm. as the culmination. Every reference to this individual in this particular passage of scripture is a capital. That means it's not just Joe Blow who's Mm. put on some battle armor. This is talking about a specific individual of power and authority. Okay, this is talking about God, and God is saying, I've done this, and I did it on my own. Nobody else was with me, Mm. and I've stained my garments with the blood of my enemies, and I've done it because it's the day of vengeance and redemption. This is God speaking. This sounds more like a warrior, and this is a description of a time yet to come because this hasn't happened yet. This is not gentle Jesus, meek and mild, a suffering servant. Mm. In essence, this is a violent response to wickedness and rebellion. It does present a picture of Messiah that we would not really consider. And we're going to look more at this in our next program as we wrap up this series on Mashiach. This has been Foundations, a look at the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. For study notes, resources and more, see vision.org.au slash foundations. for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.